Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome back. In just a moment, we're going to get an update on Anthony Albanese's trip to India to meet India Prime Minister Narendra Modi. But no, this is not a political podcast. This is the Unplayable Podcast. My name is Josh Onafinger, and I'm going to cross right now to Louis Cameron, who's over in the state of Gujarat. And it's not just politicians, but there's also a bit of cricket coming up as well, isn't there, Louis? Well, Josh, I actually did major in politics at university. You'll be uh, you'll be interested to know. So, if did you? you? Yeah, I did. <laughs> Um, I don't remember much of it. So, I mean, I, I think I remember um, there's 150 lower house seats and, and that actually might even be more than that now. So there you go. I couldn't blag my th- way through a political podcast, but um, I am looking forward to seeing what kind of show this turns out to be in, in Ahmedabad tomorrow. Yeah, well, I mentioned that because uh, you sent through some pictures and some videos when you first visited the ground yesterday afternoon and there's giant heads of both <laughs> nations' prime ministers all over the ground. What's happening with that? They are everywhere. They are everywhere. And there is, look, when you come to countries that aren't Australia, that is the norm often, like big giant posters of political leaders are not uncommon. And in Ahmedabad, that is where Narendra Modi is from. He was chief minister here for a long time. So, you know, the what we would call, he was like the Dan Andrews of... Um, of okay. he was he was basically like the prem what we'd say the premier and before he went on to become the big cheese in in Indian politics so um, he's a big deal and he basically he was the, also the president of the so, so we, we are talking about politics but only because it relates to, to, to cricket and it is fascinating so he was president of the Gujarat Cricket Association uh, and. Uh, I think concurrently while he was chief minister of, of Gujarat and basically pushed through this um, this stadium and got it in the works and, you know, becoming prime minister probably helped that. And now the 132,000-seat stadium is, you know, not only built in his home state but it's named after him. Uh, and this is, the you know, one of the big things he's done here, right? So he he hosted a, a big political rally with Donald Trump which is very famous to cricket fans because that's when Trump <laughs> called Virat Kohli and Sachin Tendulkar, Suchin Tendulkar and Virat Kohli. This is the country where your people cheer on some of the world's greatest cricket players from Suchin Tendulkar to Virat Kohli. So that happened and uh, and now Albo is part of the... Um, the big song and dance, which is basically on on day one, uh, they're both going to be here. There's, I think, a lot of Australian CEOs, big business CEOs, and obviously there'll be a, a lot of big big wigs from the the Indian business community, I imagine. So, the cricket will be a bit of a secondary consideration for at least the first hour or two uh, in this this kind of crazy thing that we're all going to look back on as as a bit of a, a really interesting point in time. Yeah, and because we've also heard that. Um 
They've given out 85,000 free tickets to schools and local communities. Is that right as well? I mean, it's going to be heaving the place. Modi wants it to be big. Modi wants people okay. in the stadium. He wants them in there early. He wants them before he arrives uh, because that's what political leaders do. We're not here to, to, to judge it either way. That's what's happening. Um, it's going to be crazy. Uh, there, there are. I think the good news is initially Australian fans had a bit of trouble uh, buying tickets. You would have thought that would be quite an easy thing to do for a 132,000-seater stadium, but it wasn't, uh, but it is now. I believe there was, a, there was a gate open today at the ground where people specifically with Australian passports were able to, to go and pick up tickets. A lot of them, uh, there's actually not quite as many coming for, for this test. Interestingly, a lot of, um, speaking to the, the people who run the tour groups, uh, there were heaps who bought tickets for Dharamasala, uh, you know, mm. or book flights and everything because they thought they were going to go to a, a wonderful, beautiful, picturesque venue. Not saying indoor, which ended up hosting the third test, isn't wonderful and picturesque, but but, but it's on the scale of Dharamasala. So there are heaps of Aussies in indoor, maybe fewer in fewer fewer Aussie fans, more Aussie Aussie bigwigs, put it that way. Yeah, okay. Well, the indoor test will live beautifully in all Australian fans' memories. There's no doubt about that. Let's talk about some cricket after all that. Um, you, yeah, you saw the ground for the first time yesterday and there was a bit happening out in the middle. Two pitches were prepared apparently, but... We don't know which we're playing on. Is that correct? Yeah, it was a, it was a really crazy morning actually, and just kind of going back. Don't, I guess drawing a, a full loop on the on the political stuff, they've got all these huge banners of Modi and Albanese's heads. They're enormous, like looking out. Uh, so they had one where the sight screen will be, and it's some kind of platform where I think the two leaders will be before the game. Uh, then they also had a, a big poster of them uh, at the net, which is just outside the ground, like enormous, covering you know one um, big part of the stadium. And when you photographed it, looking back towards the stadium, but it looked like Albo was looking down on like Matthew Renshaw and Steve Smith and critiquing their techniques. Like he's just <laughs> he's very like studious looking, and he's looking down. It's right above where the Aussies are training. So that was um that was very amusing. There was also a sounds a bit like Big Brother. Exactly. Exactly right. Exactly right. Um, only it's your prime minister. Yeah. Um, and then there was also a, like a gold, a golden vehicle. You know, like back in Australia for the grand final, we have the Hiluxes and they wheel around the the old legends and um, mm. they wave and maybe the retiring players that year. It, it yeah. looks like they're going to do something like that with Modi and or Albanese. Um, in oh, this, lap of honour. In this, yeah. And if it's in this hilarious gold cart, uh, you know, it's slightly bigger than a golf cart, but um, uh, I, I, so I don't know if it will definitely be that gold cart that does the lap or if that was just a, a test run to making sure that, you know, they could actually do the circumference of it. So all of that is not cricket related. Um, the stuff that was going on in the middle was interesting, Josh, as well. Um, so the Aussies rocked up. There were two pitches. One, they kind of had the covers pulled up at, at either end of them. And it was very interesting at the time. And what we what we since learned after speaking to the Australian captain, Steve Smith, is that the curator said that they were 60% expecting one wicket on that side and 40% expecting the other wicket. Uh, so it, it 
that that's interesting. That doesn't often happen 48 hours before a test. Normally the venue is, is picked out uh, a, a pitch they're going to use for the tr- for the for the test match. Um, that wasn't the case, and so that was that was very interesting. He was kind of saying that uh, one has a lot more black soil and one is a bit more red clay. There's a difference there. I can't entirely remember exactly which one's which, but one spins more, one bounces more. Um, they're expecting to play on the one that has more black soil, and. Uh, so that's that's that. The the other the postscript to that was the Australians left the ground. Rahul Dravid and Rohit Sharma turned up, and they were only inspecting the black soil one, the one that the curator had suggested was sixty percent over the line. That okay. suggested to me that the Indian coach and the Indian captain, who do seem to have a, a big say, I mean Rohit Sharma's made no secret of the fact that they have a big say in what pitches get prepared over here. It if you only inspect one of the pitches, I would say that's probably the one they're going to play on. So, yeah, I was going to ask just before you sort of alluded to it there, but is that decision on the pitch that they're going to play on, does that come down to team management, i.e. the coach, Raul Dravid, and the captain, Rohit Sharma? I guess so. Yeah, I guess so. It's a... it's. I mean, Rohit Sharma's been quite open about it. He's, he said that we prepare pitches to uh, suit us for our home advantage, Um I think things happen slightly different in other parts of the world, but maybe they would argue that um, that you know it's it's pretty much the same. So, who are we to argue? Uh, it's yeah, but that that certainly you know certainly look look to be the case. That's right. Well, if we just have a look back at the history of the ground, there have been two Test matches at the revamped uh, venue, uh, Axar Patel, who hasn't quite hit his straps so far in this series uh, because his um, spin. Brother, brother and I suppose Ashwin and Jadeja have been so prolific, but his record at the ground exercise is 20 wickets at an average of 9.3. He absolutely demolished England when they played two years ago and of of the 40 wickets that England lost in two test matches, their 37 fell to spin. So certainly if we look at um, the history there from a couple of years ago, spin definitely suited uh, uh, India there, but it sort of backfired in the last test. Uh, they batted first after winning the toss. Matthew Kuhneman took five wickets on the first day and then Nathan Lyon took eight for in the second innings. It must give the Australian camp a lot of belief now that they've got these spinners who can produce results in subcontinental conditions. Yeah, that's and they're good numbers. You've, you've dug, out, dug out on the Ahmedabad um on the Ahmedabad pitch. Interesting as well, the two Ranji Trophy, India's equivalent of the Sheffield Shield games this season, none of them have gone into a day four. Um, they've all been, been done inside three days. Sorry, just the two of them have been done inside three days. So that's another that's another point of interest. Mm. Um, Todd Murphy and, and Matthew Kuhneman, that's, they've, been, they've been the fines for Australia of this tour. They've been really impressive. I mean, the, the issues Australia have had have largely been with the bat in this series. Um, and, gee, it's impre- like speaking to Todd Murphy yesterday, uh, he's just a really cool, calm, collected 22-year-old, I think, one of the maybe it was Andrew McDonald said that he's the the oldest twenty two year old I know, or um, you know, just the <laughs> most mature anyway. And um, he he, he kind of he gave a bit of a window into that. I think he said something like bowling to Virat Kohli was incredibly daunting the first time, but I think he he almost recognises the those you know big big moments, those big things that he's ticking off very quickly. 
and kind of acknowledges it and compartmentalizes it and just is able to to deliver his skills on a really big stage. One of the, the fascinating things I find about Todd, who um, is a Victorian, despite um, you know having having grown up a little bit on the New South Wales side of the of the Murray River, um, he was born in Yuchuka, which is the the um, the Victorian side, as, as you know, Josh. Thank you for clarifying. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I know you're from country Victoria as well. So, um, you know, he, he grew up as a Victorian and wanted to play at the MCG and his dad and, and uncle would drive into the MCG for junior training sessions and stuff. He still hasn't played a first-class cr- cricket match at the MCG and he's going to end up playing in front of maybe 100,000 people in Ahmedabad of all places. Like I just I find that fascinating that um, that that kind of thing can happen in in this really really bizarre sport it's a really uh, niche stat there isn't it and then eventually i'm sure he'll play a boxing day test but it might it might feel like nothing compared to what what he's going to get in a couple of days and it might be a few years away right like we kind of asked him that at the press conference like you know what what does the future hold in stories like well this might be my last test basically for for a while like i might nathan Lyon's going to be around for a few more years presumably so he might have to and they're not going back to asia for a bit so yeah, interesting, like really fascinating subplot to this guy's front and centre in, in this tour and um, might not see him uh, for a little bit, but we'll have to watch that space. Mind you, you did uh, write a few days ago that he's got a county deal with Durham, so he'll be around uh, England, I guess, while, while the Ashes is going on, even if he's not in the Australian squad for that tour, you'd imagine he'll be the first in line if Lyon is the one to go out or is injured, sorry. You're spot on, mate. Yeah, I think um, Andrew McDonald all but said it the other day that they see him as their number two spinner in all conditions. And I thought that was very interesting because in the past they've been careful not to anoint a, a second spinner to to Nathan Lyon. Um, you know, they brought Mitch Swepson over, they brought um, Ashton Agar over, and both of those guys have played tests in the last 12 months. But they were careful not to say that they were the, the second best. So they really think that they found someone in, in Todd. And, yeah, Todd also basically confirmed that um, he'd be going to play in, in Durham. I'm not 100% sure the county's confirmed it yet, but, um, you know, that that looks like a, a done deal. And he was talking about wanting to go over there and play maybe six first-class games, I think it was, before the World Test Championship final or the Ashes or um, whatever he's kind of needed for as, a, as presumably Nathan's Nathan's back up um how, how much overs how many overs is going to bowl in durham in april which um is you know i think around like three degrees often up there so uh, i'm not sure off spin is you know hugely uh, beneficial in those those conditions but um you know what a what a learning curve for the for the young man He'll definitely learn to have the hand warmers in his pockets, yeah. I'm sure yeah. that as well. Yeah. Uh, now, speaking of Nathan Lyon, who is on track to potentially get his 500th test wicket during the upcoming Ashes, you spoke to him a couple of days ago for the Unplayable podcast and he had a, some really interesting points about bowling spin in India and getting really in-depth. So if you are a spin bowler or you're interested in that, please check out that episode. But he also added some really good comments about those two up-and-coming spinners as well, didn't he? Yeah, he did. I mean, he he seemed really impressed by them, and this this whole squad seems impressed by by what Murphy's done and and Kuhneman as well. Like a guy who um, Todd actually said today that neither him nor Matt were their stateside's first choice spinners at the start of this summer. You know, they, crazy Matthew. I mean, they, there's a world where if Queensland played in the Sheffield Shield final and Kuhneman and uh, Kuhneman and Mitch Swepson are both available. That Swepson might play ahead of ahead of him. Um, you know they're probably not playing two spinners at the Wacker, um, 
So I think they would be available too if if they. Um, I think the test squad only members would be available for for the Shield final. So um, that's that's really interesting. But um, in this part of the world, he he seems to have done well and kind of dates back to the Sri Lanka tour they went on last year, um, where Todd Murphy had been on the Australia A tour uh, in Hanbin Toda and. Kuhneman had been on that tour too before getting an ODI call up because Ashenaga got injured. Both of them stayed on to bowl in the nets in the lead in to the uh, first test um, in in Gaul. And Steve Smith spoke today about that being really important in terms of him getting a first look at, at Todd Murphy. He said he'd, he'd actually gone after him and attacked him in the nets and wanted to put the young the young guy under pressure. And he he was struck immediately by. Um, how he responded to it, how he kind of dealt with one of the best players in the world trying to attack him. So, um, yeah, so there's kind of been, I guess it seems like they've come out of nowhere um, and, you know, they have, but there, there has been a little bit going on in the background with both of them. All right, I can't believe it's taken us this long to get to it, but the fourth <laughs> test starts on Thursday, March 9. Are we expecting any changes to the Australian eleven that has come off a victory? And they always say hard to change that winning eleven. But what what's the feel around the squad? Are there any niggles or injuries at the minute that we need to be aware of? It's a good point that um, normally the the team news is what we're talking about first. But it's almost like everything that's going on with this test is um uh, is almost made it second second consideration. Steve Smith didn't have a toss on the eve of of this match. Sorry, didn't have a toss. He, he didn't have a didn't have a team <laughs> on the eve of the match. I can't can't uh, comment on anything on anything else. He'll definitely uh, toss a coin on. Um, on the on the Thursday, uh, we should leave that in. I think that was a good bit. And uh, um, so uh, they hadn't picked a team. You would think that three spinners is what they would lean towards. It would they take some convincing that um, it'd be anything but. There was grass on it, uh, you know, in the lead into the match, the pitch. But um, I think they're going to shave all that off. Uh, so it might be it might be. Uh, back to you know three spinners. It could be an unchanged eleven for for the first time in this series. That would be what I would expect at this point. But uh, you can never predict too far ahead in this part of the world. Yeah, that'd be a huge show of confidence to that team that took that nine wicket win in indoor, wouldn't it? And just before I let you go, I want to also get your thoughts on Alex Carey, who you spoke to a couple of days ago as well. He had a really well, he's had a great series behind the stumps, and he said that he's called on some Aussie legends to have some advice on how to keep in probably the toughest conditions in the world. Yeah, and you can just you can just tell that this is a guy who's worked really hard on his craft, right? Like a guy who remember that first summer he took over from Tim Payne. There was a lot of pressure, I think, because Tim had finished in um, really unusual, unfortunate circumstances, um, where he's just all of a sudden out of the team, and everyone thought he, he might have had a little bit further to go. And so Kerry was under the microscope. Remember, he, he didn't. There were a couple of catches where he didn't go to his right. I think it was. Um, off, off edges and ones went between keeper and first slip. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's keeping – it's a spin especially. I mean, this is a really difficult place to to glove the ball back there and he's taken some great catches, stumping in particular off uh, Matthew Kuhneman um, where Rohit Sharma was coming down the wicket and that that was a huge moment in the game. They've identified that as um, his composure being, being really big and if they'd missed it, you know, potentially the the um, game could have gone a much different direction because India were, were flying at that point. So, yeah, it's good to good to acknowledge the, the wicket keepers because they often fly under the radar, don't they? 
Yeah, they do. Well, that stumping Sharma, that was the eighth or ninth over of the match. And the bounce, if you have a look at that replay of that wicket, the bounce is incredible. He takes the ball up near his shoulder. So you might you might expect the ball to keep lower in India, but Kerry on that particular occasion was all over it, knocked the bowels off and set Australia on track for victory. Lou, thanks again for joining us. This might be the last time this series that you uh, beam in all the way from India. So thank you for joining us the last couple of editions of the Unplayable Podcast and we hope you enjoy the fourth and final test. Yeah, I hope everyone else does back home as well. Thanks, Josh. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.